0: Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of The Graw Pod. My name is Doug Graw, and I'm here again to host with my co-host, my favorite guy, Gary Randall. Thank you, Gary, for joining us today. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Doug. Hello, everybody.
0: Gary, you and I get asked all the time about... What do we see? What do we see that's coming up? What do we see that's going to happen in the near future? And sometimes it's legal stuff. Sometimes it's capacity stuff. Sometimes it's utilization stuff. But a lot of times people want to know, what do we see coming? And we thought to ourselves. We should talk a little bit more about that and try to share some advice on how we go about asking those questions ourselves and how we help clients ask those questions of themselves so they can get better. Because one thing I think you and I both believe, and if you get too hung up in the day-to-day, the day-to-day never gets better. The only way to make the day-to-day better is to actually make sure you're focusing on the future. Got to set aside that time.
1: There is no doubt. There's got to be kind of a guideline set and a plan put in place. We're really not talking about a five-year plan. Boy, that would be difficult to do in our industry, at least with any expertise. But we got to be looking out 12 to 18 months, and we've got to try to see what the potholes are in the road and how we can try
0: to avoid them. You're exactly right. We're recording this on August 19th of the year, which is a prime time for this. It is isn't. it isn't. The timing, a lot of this stuff, there's never a good time. You can say, well, it's fall season and I got to get ready for that. If you talk about the end of the year, well, I got too many people on vacation. I can't do it then. There's always an excuse to not do it. There's always things that you got going on. But the nice thing about right now is, and everything, as sad as it is, we're looking out the window and I see some leaves turning, which is depressing on the one end. But the end of the year, the end of the fifth, fiscal year, and even hearing some whispers, is the market softening a little bit? We're not rate prognosticators, but there's some whispers.
1: Yeah, I think that's out there. But even that said, I think the biggest thing that I hear, and I'm sure you do as well, is what's the status on the independent contractor? I was on a call this morning with some folks that are in the package courier delivery business. It's a big concern to them. Their driving force is made up of contractors. I think what happens often when we think of this issue is we think of it as a dry van truckload issue. It's much more than that and goes much deeper than that. So Doug, what are you hearing lately on that?
0: You're exactly right, Gary. It is a bigger issue beyond trucking and beyond the dry van world. It permeates throughout transportation and it permeates beyond transportation. I'll give you the update in just a second. But as an aside, there was one version of the legislation of the independent contractor issue is what's called the PRO Act. It's a federal bill that's been introduced. Some variation of it has been introduced for years in Congress. And it would apply to everybody, not just trucking. There are a lot of industries outside of trucking that utilize independent contractors and utilize them because that's what people want. You hear it in home health care. You hear it in what I would refer to as the beauty industry. There's a lot of independent contractor relationships there. There's a lot of independent contractor relationships in the arts, in music and visual arts and so on. Freelancers. And you think about freelancers, who are freelancers? Freelancers are phenomenal with the word. They're phenomenal verbally and in written word. When something is not going to be good for them, they are eloquent and they are energized. It's impressive to see some of the action on this. So they are kindred spirits on independent contractor issues for us. But to answer your question, what's going on? There's a handful of things going on. And I'm going to kind of focus on the federal level. At the state level, there's a variety of things too, but let's talk feds. I mentioned the PRO Act. The PRO Act, if it was passed, would be a game changer for transportation. Yes, you can argue that, well, it only applies to the National Labor Relations Act. That's true. It does only apply to the National Labor Relations Act, which means it applies to any collective bargaining or concerted activity type of work. Doesn't necessarily mean unionization, but it impacts only that part of the world. The reality is, If a driver is gonna be considered an employee under that act, you are probably gonna be forced to treat them as an employee for everything else. Because it doesn't make sense to try to treat them as an employee for one thing and an independent contract for the other thing. That's next to impossible to try to maintain. So if the bill, if the PRO Act was passed, it really wouldn't be good. But my money's on it's not gonna pass. Doesn't mean you shouldn't pay attention to it. Doesn't mean you shouldn't be concerned about it. But if I'm a betting person, I'm betting on it not passing. And the reason I say that is because it has to get through the U.S. Senate. And the only way it can get through the U.S. Senate is if there are 60 votes for it, which there are currently not, for people to remember, it's a 50-50 Senate, as far as the parties go, and it takes 60 to pass something like this. It is conceivable that it could get passed in a process of what's called Reconciliation. People have heard a lot about the human infrastructure bill. It's the $3.5 trillion piece of legislation that's being talked about at the federal level to pay for any number of different things. There's been talk of should the PRO Act be a part of that or will the PRO Act be a part of that? There's a pretty good chance it will not be a part of that. And the reason is for a rule called the bird Rule. I have no idea what the story is behind why it's called the bird Rule. But the bird Rule means that in order to be a part of reconciliation, it has to be about the budget. Whatever the provision is, has to have a money component. It has to be about spending and costs and so on. If it would qualify for reconciliation, then it only takes 51 votes to pass. It doesn't take 60 votes. But because the PRO Act is really just a policy piece of legislation, it has nothing to do with the budget, I think it is reasonable to believe that the PRO Act will not be a part of reconciliation and will not be passed. You also have to keep in mind there are elections coming. The midterm elections will be in 2022. And once that election season gets going, legislation gets even slower. So I think it is reasonable to think the PRO Act doesn't. That doesn't mean we should just stop ignoring it and don't worry about it. It's no big deal. If we rest on our laurels, it could still pass. And I know I'm giving a really long-winded answer, but it kind of is a long-winded issue. The last thing I want to say about it is there is what's called AB5. And AB5 is a piece of legislation in California that uses the ABC test. That test is the same thing that's in the PRO Act. California has passed it and put it into effect, but it's currently on hold. And it's on hold because the California Trucking Association and a company called Cal Cartage. Each separately have challenged AB 5, and they're taking it all the way to the US Supreme Court. And to kind of toot our own horn a little bit, Gary, you and I, we've worked with another lawyer. His name is Mike Glover and his team to submit a brief on behalf of the Minnesota Trucking Association and the carriers that care about independent contractor status. So, our brief, we've submitted to the US Supreme Court, encouraging the US Supreme Court to hear the case and ultimately to rule that owner operators are important, that owner operators want to be owner operators, and that all drivers should be free to choose whether or not they want to be an owner operator or be an employee driver. Gary, you and I have been around a long time. You know you can't force an employee driver to be independent if they don't want to be, and you can't force an independent to be an employee if they don't want to be. There are thousands of opportunities in the industry for each today. Good luck forcing anybody to do anything, wouldn't you say?
1: I would agree with that 100%. That's where the reality comes into the picture. I really appreciate your answer to the question, your comments on the question, because it's complex. When you read about it, when you watch reports on it on television, it's easy to get lost in the language about what it really means. One of the things we try to do for our customers is give them practical solutions You just gave us a practical answer to what's a complicated question. So thank you for that,
0: Doug. I appreciate that. I kind of want to shift gears a little bit on you, Gary. One thing that I know that you're a big believer in that you've led in the past is when you get time, you're thinking about, okay, the market might be changing. And again... We're not saying the market has changed, has changed. I'm just saying we've heard some whispers. I imagine the market will be strong for trucking companies and logistics companies probably deep into 2022, if not into 2023. I think we still got some good runway for some good times yet, but we need to be thinking ahead. And one of the things, Gary, that you like to do is to make sure you're reevaluating your lanes, your customers, your network on a regular basis to make sure you're utilizing your equipment, your drivers in the right places, not just to maximize your buck today. Yeah, that's nice, but you don't want to do that at the expense of your future. So you're always thinking both long-term and short-term with that. Gary, can you kind of walk us through, how do I do that if I'm a carrier? How do I do that if I'm a logistics company?
1: What you're really talking about is how do we reprioritize the business or how do we take a good look at the business on a regular basis? My experience in the past has been to try to do that quarterly and really get a good look and try to look ahead to the next quarter of what we expect is going to happen. And it really is much more than rate. It has everything to do with the lanes that you're operating in. Those lanes that you're operating in, will they allow you to recruit? Because it plays a big part in that. You're going to be much more successful with your retention of drivers if you can recruit drivers that live on one end of the lane or the other. You're going to be able to get them home on a more regular basis. They're going to provide better service to your shippers because that freight is taking them home. And you're also going to set up yourself for better service results with that shipper because of the density on the lane. When we start looking at customers, it's not just rate. Certainly that plays into it, but it's where is the freight picking up? Where is the freight going to? What kind of density can we have on that lane? Is it one load a day or is it five? Probably be better if it's five. If we're going into a new market, what's going to happen when we reload out of that market? Let's plan ahead and look at that a little bit. Every lane is not a good lane. There's this old saying that says there's no such thing as a bad lane, only a bad rate. I'm just not a proponent of that because I think it's bigger than that. I think that you've got to find freight that fits within your network. That's really what we're talking about, our freight network. And so when we would look and reprioritize our business, we certainly would look at rate, but we'd look at lane, we'd look at lane density, we'd look at load leveling. So if we were going to get 10 to 15 loads a week out of a shipper, were they all going to ship on the weekend? Or was it going to be spread out throughout the week a little bit? certainly a much better opportunity if we can load level or spread that freight as much as possible. The other things that we would look at is we would look at equipment utilization. If it was a live load and a live unload, well, that's easy to figure out, right? But most of the time, you find opportunities where you're picking up a spot trailer and you're dropping a trailer on the other end. That situation can get out of hand quickly if that company, that shipper and the consignee are not able to turn your equipment on a regular basis. So we'd look at price, we'd look at where it was going from A to B, we'd look and see if we could recruit along that lane of A to B, and we'd look and see how they treated our
0: equipment. You're also able to bring in the customer's point of view. And usually that's coming through the sales rep, but you're able to hear, okay, this is what this customer's been What's their future look like? Again, I'm not saying what's their 10-year future look like, but what is their next six months look like? What's their next year look like? Is that customer about to kind of pop a little bit? Is that customer maybe going to be slowing down? They haven't been living up to their commitments and we can just expect more of that trend. What's going on with that customer? And then I think you can also bring in recruiting. And you said it, can we recruit to this? You don't want to have a conversation where sales dominates or recruiting dominates or operations dominates. You want to have a conversation where all three are at the table with an equal voice.
1: All three of those issues that you brought up or departments that you brought up are all part of the big package that you've got to be able to look at to find the right freight for your company, the right fit. The other thing you have to consider too is what's happening with the shipper. Is it a brand new plant that they're opening up? If it is, there's probably going to be some startup issues. Is it an old antiquated plant that they're in the process of shutting down? what's the timeline on that often those timelines get extended so you need to know when is that freight going to stop and again we're not looking at a five-year plan but we sure want to try to understand what's going to be happening with it in the next 12 to 18 months yeah
0: just looking around that corner a little bit and I think when you start wanting to look around that corner if I'm a leader for this company we're thinking about around the corner what are some legal things I got to think about we talked about an independent contractor there's also nuclear verdicts they're not around the corner they're here What do I do to make sure I don't get hit with one of those things? We're talking about network and customers and what do I think is gonna be happening with my customer base? What do I think is gonna be happening with my lane density and my network? And what do I need to do to make sure I can still get drivers or what do I need to do to my network to be able to keep the drivers I have happy? I think y'all seem to be always looking forward on equipment. That's kind of the obvious one. You always gotta be looking to buy equipment. The clients that we have and that we talk to Gary that are, I would say excellent overall, are always excellent at equipment. They are thinking ahead on equipment. They're using their data. They're asking the questions about what are the great makes and models for them, trying to figure out when exactly to get into or out of trucks. They're very disciplined. They're not just looking at what's right in front of them. They've always got this kind of six month to two year outlook on their equipment.
1: I would say they're disciplined to a cycle. They understand what they want their cycle to look like And then they're buying and replacing equipment on a regular cycle. Their fleet never gets too old. They never get to the point where all of a sudden they wake up one day and they say, we've got to replace 200 trucks at a moment's notice because they've been buying 25 trucks on a regular cycle over the past however many years. And that goes back to what the word you use, Doug, it's discipline. You've got to be disciplined to do that. The other thing that happens when you do that is when you provide good equipment like that, that is cycled out on a regular basis, your fleet of drivers starts to take a little bit more pride in what your equipment is. And so that pre-trip inspection and that post-trip inspection start to mean more to them because they see that equipment means something to you. The companies that struggle are the companies that take their equipment problem and make it their driver's equipment problem. The driver uses utilization, the driver gets frustrated, pretty soon the driver says to himself or herself, I'm being asked to be a disciplined professional out here, but every other trailer that I hook up to has got an issue. So it's important from a cost standpoint, but it's not just the cost of the equipment, it's the cost of hanging on to your good drivers as well.
0: It all works together, doesn't it?
1: You hear so many companies talk about the fact that they like to go after a driver with a military background that they've had great success with drivers with military backgrounds. That's that discipline piece. Those guys are probably more likely to do a good job in the pre-trip and a good job on the post-trip than others. But you don't have to have a military background to get into that habit. What you do have to do, though, is you've got to be contracted or working for a company that shows you that they care about their equipment. And when they care about their equipment, you're going to care about their equipment as the driver
0: i think a thing that doesn't get talked about enough when it comes to equipment and keeping good care of it gary we read an excellent piece from ellen voya president of the women and trucking association she's a fantastic leader i love a lot of the work that she's doing and her whole team is doing but they wrote an excellent piece about the differences in recruiting women trucking companies just not quite getting this yet. Some are, and they're doing excellent, and that's fantastic. We need more of them to be doing it. One of the things that the article talked about is what women were generalizing, not all women are the same and all that kind of stuff, just like not all men are and everything, but as a general rule of thumb, women prioritize some things a little bit differently. Two of the things are gonna be safety and equipment. The comfort of the equipment, knowing that the equipment's going to be well-maintained, knowing that they're not going to have downtime. I don't know this, but I'm going to speculate part of that is tied to safety. I want to know that my equipment is not going to break down at night in the middle of nowhere. I want to know that my trucking company is taking care of me by taking care of the equipment and making sure I'm going to have very good uptime. And it's going to be comfortable, not in the terms of we got all the Cadillac finishes, but just I feel safe. I feel comfortable. I feel like this equipment is well-maintained. I'm not doing the article justice. Go read Ellen's comments. She did an excellent job, but I think that's something we need to always keep in mind is the role of equipment, not from a fancy comforts perspective, but just the role of good equipment and good maintenance and good inspections on recruiting and retention.
1: I think you really hit on it when you said reliable. It's about having reliable equipment.
0: I think another thing that comes up in the forecasting a lot of times that doesn't get enough attention is what's happening in the finance world. Gary, you and I have talked about over the years of what's going to happen, yes, with our equipment out on the road, but also we need to do some upgrades to the facility or we need to do some upgrades to technology or we need to do some upgrades to our people. Those things cost money. Are you forecasting out the next even six months, if not 18 to 24 months of what your cash looks like and what cash you're going to need for what and how you're going to keep investing in the business, that's key to make sure you keep looking at that.
1: I think that's true, and I think it all comes back to whether we're talking about trucks or trailers or whether we're talking about office equipment or facilities, it's reinvestment in the organization. And that is a looking around the corner issue because if you wait until you realize that you need to reinvest in some technology to start to plan for it, you're probably too late. So you've always got to be thinking ahead a little bit. Today's workforce does want some things that the workforce of five and 10 years ago didn't even think about. And so if you're going to be competitive with that workforce, you've got to be able to offer those types of things.
0: It's no more apparent than it is today with all things COVID and the pandemic. You may have been investing in brand new cubicles 10 years ago, and today a cubicle may not be the thing to invest in, but you may be trying to figure out, okay, Are we going to be paying for the stuff at home or are they going to be paying for it? How are we going to work that out, either equipment or compensation wise or whatever? And again, that goes back to this forecasting and making sure you're doing that. So you have an idea of what your cash needs are. It will help you prioritize your efforts. The cash is going to force you to think about what is most important to you. And I think that same mentality has to go into your time. If you're the leader of a department, of the business overall, whatever it is, you have to think about what do I need to get done? What do I want to get done to make my day to day better, to make our profitability better in the next six to 18 months? Where am I going to spend my time? Where do I want my team to spend their time? That's what you want to be looking around the corner. And I would say, if I'm talking to an owner right now, I'd say, is you should go through all of your direct reports and be thinking about where do I want them to spend their time? What are the priorities for the next six to 18 months?
1: There's an analogy that you like to use. and I sure like it when you do, because it resonates with me, but it's boot time and sandals time. And it refers back to the Roman empire. When the Romans went out to conquer a new country, they put on their boots but they also spend some time with their sandals on thinking about how they were going to do that and planning ahead. I think that's what you're getting at with your previous comment is it's not just the owner who has to spend some sandals time, but his direct reports or her direct reports need to be able to spend some time doing that as well. Early on in this recording, we talked about We all get caught up in the day-to-day activities and we look at just what's happening today, but we really need to put our sandals on every once in a while and think about what's happening a month down the road, six months down the road, 12, 18 months down the road.
0: Yeah, and I can't get away. Bob Goldberg will get very upset with me if I don't give him credit for the boots and sandals (laughs) time because he is the person who taught me that mantra, but he is exactly right and you're exactly right. You can't be all sandals and you can't be all boots. You have to make sure that you find time for each. It's important for managers a lot of times to remember, managing is, okay, how do I make sure things are getting done and we're staying on task and all that kind of stuff and we're hitting metrics. But leadership is how do I improve the day-to-day? How do I move the needle and change the narrative of our business on a real basis, on a long-term basis? To me, that stuff comes out of Sandals time. Every manager needs to make sure they've got some sandals time. And I would encourage folks who maybe are aspiring to be in the management and leadership role, find some sandals time too. Think about how you can make a difference because there are tons of examples in business life. The best ideas didn't come from somebody sitting in an office. They came from moments from folks out in the day-to-day who had that sandals moment like, you know what? Why do we do it this way? Why don't we do it a different way?
1: Doug, I think it's been a pretty good conversation today. I can't believe how fast time flies when you start to talk about things that we're certainly interested in and hopefully our listeners are as well.
0: Anything to wrap us up? Just that I agree. This is the stuff that I get fired up about. I really enjoy talking to our clients about this stuff. It's so exciting when a client comes and says, hey, I don't love what's going on in safety. I don't love what's going on with our owner operator program. I don't love what's going on with our network. Can you help us out with that? I know you get fired up about it too. One thing you and I have talked about and we'll announce here on this podcast that we're going to do, we want to put our money where our mouth is. We want to help people. We want to help trucking companies and logistics companies and help them get better. We're going to offer the free risk assessment. Pick a topic independent contractors, carrier selection, separation of companies. There's a number of different things that we could do. Information's on our website, thegrawgroup.com and sign up for a free risk assessment or reach out to either you or me directly. And let's talk about it. We'll spend about a half day with you or your team, taking a look at some stuff, give you some ideas, maybe some weaknesses, some strengths that we see, some ideas on how to get better. And there'll be some practical takeaways. It's not a, let me tease you and sell you more. It's going to be a real assessment with some real ideas. I'm looking forward
1: to it. I am as well. I'm excited about that. I think our listeners will be excited about it as well when they go on the website and they
0: read about it
1: and they think about how it could help their organization.
0: Well, thanks again for the time today, Gary. I know we're going to be at this again soon. Thank you to all of our listeners. Again, check us out at thegrawgroup.com. Thank you again to Podwheels Network for making this all happen. And everybody, please be safe out there.